All right, and welcome everyone to the first actual episode of the HFW Industries Shop Talk podcast. I am joined today by our vice president and my father, Matt Watson. Matt, thanks for being here. Uh, it's good to be here, Jack. <laughs> and so today, this is episode 1A, and so just to briefly go into kind of the differentiation um, and what we're trying to do. So all episodes that are labeled with an A will be more company related. Um, so in this case, we're going to go over kind of um, the markets that we serve and kind of explain, you know, what the products that we produce, what they're going to do um, for the end user, uh, and then also get into kind of some economic overlooks. And this is going to be a reoccurring uh, feature a couple times a year that we'll do with uh, my dad. Uh, but then we'll have another side of a podcast where uh, it'll be more storytelling. So telling the story, the business, the people, um, and kind of getting to know people better and, and just, uh, you know, really focus on telling our story and building the culture and um, fostering uh, the community, I think, that we have here. And so to kick off the episode today, we just kind of want to go through, uh, you know, I, I think you see a lot of similar parts come in here. I know, you know, we've, we can all talk about different parts that we're, you know, we, we're pretty familiar familiar with. Um, Dad, I, I'm just curious, you know, I, I, when I'm talking with people, everyone's really interested in hearing a little bit more about the, you know, the end markets where, when, after something leaves our shop, you know, where it goes and what it's doing. So could you talk about some of our primary markets served and, and you know, in general, what they're doing and, and kind of how essential that is to um, the American economy? Well, our primary markets are the chemical processing industry, the uh, power generation energy industry, and then other industries, printing, paper and pulp, steel to some degree. Uh, though the first two industries I mentioned are really um, our largest industries currently and for the past several years. And the applications that we focus on are the rebuilding and manufacturing of precision components for these industries, whether they are uh, turbo machinery-related applications or shafts or sleeves or rolls for chemical processing or printing press cylinders. Um, so those are some of the major applications, and, and usually there is a focus on applying a surface enhancement, whether it's a thermal spray coating or a hard-facing weld overlay to combat wear and corrosion. Yeah, and so a lot of our parts, or I mean, we're primarily focused on um, helping ensure and, and lengthen the lifetime of the part. Um, and, and so we've been working with a lot of these customers for many years. I mean, how is a relationship like that fostered and, you know, as we move forward, like how do we uh, progress and, and continue that relationship and then build new ones as well? Well, I, I think we've been lucky to have some very loyal customers and it's, and, and, and when you get into longstanding relationships, you build trust and you're able to really solve problems. So we have a number of applications here that we've worked uh, closely with customers and it's, it's been a win-win. It's been good business for us, but we, working in conjunction with them, we've solved a problem that has either, you know, saved them money, saved them time, or, you know, 
made their process um, a lot easier or efficiently to run. Yeah, and something I want to talk about too is, um, you know, being that you know you and, and Mark Sherman and um, others are in me now are getting on the road a lot and seeing a lot of these customers. I think something that um, was really impressed upon me in, in traveling to visit customers and um, visiting and seeing what they're actually doing was how important this stuff is to our everyday life in America and. Um, obviously there's, you know, we don't want to get too specific, but could you just talk about the, you know, how essential what we're doing and the work we're doing is and what our customers are doing? And, um, could you just touch on that a little bit? Cause I think it's pretty eye opening when you, you come to learn about that a little bit more. Well, I, uh, I think the pandemic was a big example of how companies like ours are, um, you know, crucial to the functioning of this economy. Uh, during COVID, a lot of our uh, customers in the chemical industry turned to making um, safety equipment, um, face masks, other medical supplies. And so we had an, a, um, you know, some sort of. Uh, like uh, we were deemed vital by the state of the state, basically, which allowed us to stay open. So we were talking about during the pandemic when the state of New York for you know required that every business close, we were able to get an exemption from the state um, saying that we were essential, right? Yeah, we were kept open because of our um, trying to think because of the like the customers we serve and the end markets we serve we were kept open because of our of our vital services okay yeah so i mean that's something that i think um you know covid obviously was um annoying in many ways but one of the interesting things i, I think it really brought to light the industries that we can't live without um and you know the the work we do is certainly one of them um you know and, and i think that's something that we're trying to tell the story of more because, you know, you, the work we do, we see one little part of, you know, a, a big machine or a, a big process. Um, but just because you don't see the whole thing um, doesn't mean it's important, not important. And it's, uh, you know, it's really crucial. And um, this country couldn't have survived, uh, you know, a once in a generation pandemic without it. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, no, we were very, um, vital in in serving some of these industries like power generation we had a large job at the time which was going to a utility in the northeast it was february or march and that utility depends on uh companies like ours to keep their plant running and same thing with the chemical processing industries uh you know they depend on companies such as ours to make them you know, spare equipment or fix their equipment and a number of uh, number like i said a number of our customers went to making uh ppe equipment well and not just the ppe equipment but you talk about the power generation um you know there was still a need for power obviously during the pandemic in hospitals and then people staying at home um and even as we get i think this kind of leads into our next point you know where 
um, as we're looking at, you know, we traditionally have served, um, you know, very old world industries. And as we get into this new, um, I guess, green world, if you want to call it that, um, that doesn't diminish the need for something like, you know, this, this chemical processing or certainly power generation. Um, so I, I think it's interesting to talk about how the, how, you know, from a sales and markets perspective, our, 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 who we serve kind of shifts. I mean, we used to do a lot of work for printing, right? And that's kind of shifted. And now, um, you know, we're looking at new markets. We've done some work for um, semiconductor before and, and, you know, before semiconductor, before everyone knew what the word semiconductors were, before people were even aware of what those little chips are. So can you just talk from like a sales perspective about kind of the evolution of our business? And even though we've been doing some of the same parts for, you know, our entire um, lifespan as a company, we're also constantly evolving and the mix of customers we have is constantly changing. Can you just touch on that a little bit? Well, I think that's just a state of life. You're always, technology is always evolving and people think of technology and they think of semiconductor chips, but they're, there, there's more to it than that. Uh, industrial processes uh, have come a long way over the years, and there are new advancements in machinery, materials, and a lot of those machinery and materials require, uh, you know, companies to make make those items. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. You know, when we think of technology, we all think of iPhones or you know a Tesla or something, um, but there's a whole you know, ecosystem that supports that. And then I think it's a kind of a great, um, you know, that, that's a good way to d- kind of describe, you know, we tend to deal with companies that are kind of um, in the background of all those supporting processes. So they're not, you know, making super high profile consumer products like, you know, an iPhone, but they're supporting the infrastructure that allows the iPhone or the Tesla or something like that to get built. Or a lot of times our customers, uh, a lot of times their product is used in these high tech products. Yeah. it's built. And in. I can't go into too many specifics, but um, a, a lot of chemical companies, uh, you know, th- their products are the building blocks of the modern economy. And we, and we require those companies for our existence. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good point. And obviously we can go into a little more detail um, you know, when it's not on a, a recorded podcast, but I think it's, you know, it's really interesting when you look at, um, all the little components, when you break down, you know, what makes up, um, you know, we've been using the example of an iPhone, you know, there's a lot of little components and that on the surface on one phone are very small, but they're required for every single one. Or, you know, you've seen with the, with the pandemic and cars, every car requ- requ- requires, if I can get it out one of those little chips or in many cases, many of those little chips. And there's a lot of, a lot of different parts like that that people just took for granted. And now we're kind of seeing um, that when the supply chain gets um, crimped up or um, there's not that constant supply that there's been, that it, it can be really devastating, which I think goes back to the point we were talking about, you know, how uh, our modern economy can't survive without the work and the customers that we deal with. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people, they just think that this stuff magically shows up in the Apple store and, and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of that has been 
put outside of the United States. And I think the United States learned a lesson when we couldn't even um, supply ourselves with the um, the N95 mask during COVID. We had to purchase mass quantities from outside of the country. Um, you know, I think that was a lesson to someone, and that was eye opening. And I think that's why you're seeing. I think the pandemic was a game changer, and you're seeing. Uh, I know of companies that are bringing back uh, some manufacturing capability to the United States and their new focus is they understand they have to have manufacturing in all parts of the world, uh, North America included. It can't just be, you know, Southeast Asia, um, for, for one component, uh, for years and years and years, they're, they're diversifying their supplier base. Well, it seems like some, there's a lot of times there's waves in manufacturing. So, you know, in the 70s and 80s and even early 90s, it was quality. And then as we got in the 90s and the 2000s and the 2010s, it was, you know, pushing the cost ever lower. Um, and then obviously we hit events like the pandemic where suddenly you can't just ship something from Southeast Asia overnight. Uh, it kind of showed the vulnerabilities in that. And I, I think that's something where, you know, HFW could shine, you know, because we've never been necessarily a, a low cost provider. Um, every company obviously needs to be efficient with costs. You know, you can't just charge customers an exorbitant amount of money. Um, but I, I think companies are now hopefully um, starting to look a little bit more, um, you know, they're willing to pay a, a little bit more of a premium Again, obviously, you still have to be competitive, but you know they're not necessarily just looking at the cheapest thing. And obviously, we're always battling that. But um, like, I, I guess that this kind of leads into the the second part of our our discussion here, where we're talking a little bit about you know what we're hearing from customers in terms of the economy and um, you know their plans from a, a macro perspective. And I know you've been having a lot of conversations lately, um, and kind of getting some you know on the ground. Uh, feedback. So, I mean, could you just go into a little bit about a little bit more about what you've been hearing and kind of the rumbles and um, where you think we're going over the next year or two? Well, it's uh, predictions are, are always tough. Um, a lot of companies right now, I mean, right now, everyone seems to be busy, uh, whether it's suppl our suppliers, our customers, our competitors, other businesses, everyone seems to be busy, which, which is good. The major issues right now are the inflation and the labor situation. You know, everyone's looking for more help. And, and, and that's a big struggle that um, all companies will have to face and figure out one way or the other. Um, so, that's the good news. Uh, yeah. The bad news is a lot of our customers are getting nervous by, you know, the war in Ukraine has really created. I mean, I think Europe's probably in a recession or pretty darn close. And obviously if they're in a recession, that would have to affect us to some degree. And I think a lot of our customers are just, you know, 
looking out on the horizon and just trying to anticipate what's going to happen. And they're thinking things are going to slow a little bit. And so that's what a lot of companies are looking at. And we'll have to see what happens in six to 12 months. Now, from a sales perspective, I know you've, you've talked about this before. Um, you know, you hear the word recession or downturn and uh, automatically, I think that conjures up, you know, a, a negative perception, but you've talked about, you know, that can actually, in, in some cases, even be beneficial to HFW, right? Because customers are increasingly looking to get longer lifespans out of their products. Can you talk maybe a little bit about where you've seen that in the past and how that could actually be a benefit? Well, in years past, recessions um, were some of our strongest years because companies took a very um, strategic approach and figured, well, times are slow. It's a good time to do maintenance. And then the 30 years that I've been in business, that doesn't seem to be as prevalent. That was probably more prevalent in the 70s and 80s. Um, the recessions that I've experienced, a lot of people seem like they go into the bunker and just wait things out until things, you know, magically get better. Uh, so there used to be a strategic approach for our customers to get uh, maintenance done. And maybe we'll get back to that point. And, you know, re recessions just mean, you know, diminished economic activity. It doesn't necessarily mean um, life stops. And I think that's sometimes dangerous when it seems like, you know, if you watch the financial news, you hear about all these companies laying people off, cutting spending. It's like we're all supposed to go in our bunker and hunker down. Um, so that's something I think you have to fight as a, um, business person and, you know, try and be optimistic, try and find applications because things are still going on. And I think it's easy to get into that, um, mindset. Oh, there's not much going on in the day. Uh, you know, we'll just hang out and wait till things get better. I think the companies that are going to be successful, you know, down the road are the companies that look at the re recession as an opportunity to continue the get out and continue the sell and their product and service their customers. And, and that's been my approach because I think I've been guilty in the past of, you know, well, it's slow out there and that just kind of lulls you to sleep sometimes. Well, I think from a people side too, obviously we were, we're in the midst of, you know, this great shortage of talent and a recession, you know, for a company that's looking to be opportunistic, there's no better time to find good people, I think, than a recession, right? Yeah. I think now the one opportunity is maybe you can find some workers with the skills you're you're looking for or find people with with the intangibles who can learn some of these skills 
and and now would be a you know possible decent time to bring them aboard and i i think too uh from an employee's perspective a private company um i think offers especially during a, a you know a recessionary period can offer a lot of advantages not everyone obviously but you know when you're you know in our case we're you know we don't have outside investors we're not um you know facing scrutiny from you know the financial press and uh to make cuts or st- certain things so i think from you know and you know if you're looking at all the different employers out there uh you know when you're going into a recession obviously you know the big fortune 500 companies are going to face a lot of pressure whether it's from you know unions or stockholders or big investors um and so i think you know from our perspective it's a great opportunity for us to try to find good people um i know you know we really you know being a smaller business i think we've always been pretty lean which means that you know we're not having these wild swings i think sometimes you see at um larger companies where you know when times are great you know everyone's fat and happy and then when times aren't great um you know everyone's on the chopping block i think that's kind of i would say a benefit of a small business well small businesses i think have the luxury to be more uh strategic and long term in their um thought process and 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 that's what that's what we've tried to do and that's what i hope we'll do in the future yeah and i mean um obviously for me i've been here for a couple of months now and and i think you know what's what's exciting is is the long term perspective and you know we've been this is our 75th anniversary uh in 2022 and you know we're looking at you know the next 5 10 15 years um which i think is a great thing because it allows us to make some moves that in the short term um you know are challenging but lo- over the long term i think are going to um you know yield great benefits to everyone at the company um and and so i think i think it's an exciting time to be at a company like hfw um even as we head into um a period that uh, a lot of people are kind of uh saying well you know there might be a recession on the corner so i i guess to wrap things up um you know in the next couple months um uh, obviously we're going to be hitting the road a decent amount um getting out with our talking with our existing cu- customers um trying to find new customers um so you know what's your focus and uh what what are your priorities over the next uh i'd say 6 to 12 months from a sales perspective and what should everyone know about you know relatively what's what's coming down the line well i think right now being early october we're already mapping out what we're going to ship for the rest of the year so we want to finish the year on a strong note and also um you know now is the time to really start planting the seed for next year and so we're trying to take you know we're trying to look out 6 to 8 months potential sales trips people to see um a lot can happen in those 6 to 8 months um you know everyone keeps talking about the war in Ukraine and and the horrible energy situation in Europe and you know there could be some curveballs from there but we'll try and you know we'll we'll control what we control and we'll 
get out and talk to people and hopefully, you know, our guys in the shop work hard as they always do. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep things moving along. And, uh, I think with that, that'll just about wrap up episode one, a, our first, uh, real episode this, again, this, this episode where we're kind of talking about, uh, the market outlook and, and what our, our sales team is seeing. This will be something I think we probably do a couple times a year. Um, and, and then we'll get into some of our other episodes in the coming weeks. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks for listening. And we're, uh, you know, really looking for input and feedback and, uh, anyone that's, and anyone that has an interest in being on the podcast, we'd certainly like to do that. So, um, you know, talk to me if, if that's something you'd like to do. And then, uh, you know, I guess one thing to just close with, you know, the whole point of what we're trying to do with the podcast, um, you know, I was talking with a couple of people earlier and, um, this is really meant to be a communication tool. And so, you know, obviously sitting here, uh, this is just a, you know, a one way, um, street, you know, you can't talk back to me during the podcast, but, you know, if you hear something that, you know, jogs your memory during the podcast or it makes you want have a question or you want to dig into something a little bit more specifically, um, that's what the podcast was created for. Um, so, you know, if you're interested in hearing more about, you know, the customers or the sales process or where the part goes when you're done with it, um, you know, talk to me or talk to my dad or, you know, that's what we're trying to do with the podcast is really improve communication and uh, and then and tell people's story too. All right, so that's enough of us talking today. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again soon. Thanks.